Welcome to the Ask Kadian Show with your host, Kadian Grant. This radio show airs bi-weekly on Sundays on BBS Radio at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Kadian is a life transformation coach and the author of the upcoming book, Climbing Your Happiness Ladder. If you would like to experience extraordinary shifts in your life, tune into this life-altering show to experience Kadian's unusual coaching skills. She will guide you to greater levels of happiness, fulfillment, and connection. And now, let's ask Katie. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being with me here tonight. This is um, Katie and Grant on the Ask Katie and Radio Show. And it's lovely to be here after being absent last week. So I have a very exciting show tonight and I'm just gonna dive right in because we have a lot to talk about. And tonight's topic is about taking racial responsibility. I wanted to talk about something on the topic of race tonight because of what has happened over the last week with the election. And tonight I have a guest, Dixon D. White, who, which is actually his words, taking racial responsibility, who is a former racist who now speaks out against racism and is an activist, a video blogger, a filmmaker, an actor who is using his voice to empower, I think mainly, and we'll talk about it tonight, mainly his focus is to get white people to take responsibility for the history of this country and to help us move along um, out of that history that's been going on for so, so long. That's actually, actually that has shaped um, this country. So I have Dixon White on the line. How are you? Katie, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. Great. Oh, my God. It's my pleasure to to, to have you. And thank you for, for, for accepting and being here tonight with me. And um, so I hope I said everything correctly about you. <laughs> in, in which, yeah, you know, yeah, good, you. wonderful, wonderful. So how I found you was I was on Facebook and we're always on Facebook. Right. And I keep seeing I kept seeing um, a post and it 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 was re it, you know it read a redneck something another um who loves america and it just kept coming up coming up coming up and um i didn't click on it right away but it was really being shared by a lot of black people on facebook in my feed at least what i saw and so i decided one morning to click on it to listen to um, your YouTube video. And let me tell you, I was blown away by what I heard. Um, and that video, actually, your very first video, um, it's called um, I'm a Redneck and I Love America, actually went viral. It's been seen by like over 1.3 million people. Mm -hmm. On YouTube, yeah. Yes, on YouTube. On um, Facebook, my the the first two videos I made, um, I wasn't expecting it, but they've been viewed like 25 million so far. It's been crazy. Wow. But, wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So when I listened to it, um, what really 
um, got me to really focus on your videos and made me actually listen to more. I, I, I probably listened to like six or seven of them in a row. You have quite a few of them up there. What I felt was your passion and your, I felt your conviction. I felt your pain um, of what you were talking about. So I would like you to first explain to us why did you decide to do your first video? Okay. Um, well, it happened, I guess, back in April 2015. And um, I, I'd been doing this kind of work for a long time um, before I made the video, but I'd never really done a video. And, you know, I went to art college and I got my degree in filmmaking. And uh, after art college, I wound up just getting a regular job and I didn't pursue a career in acting or filmmaking. But anyhow, so I'd been doing this kind of work for a while, just doing some writing and blogging and things like that. Um, and some activism, but, uh, so uh, I saw a guy named Elijah Hamilton. I saw him do a video and it really struck me and it really inspired me. It was very powerful just to see a person talk openly and directly from the heart about race. And so, uh, I'm an actor. And so I decided to try it, but I didn't do it to really, I didn't, I didn't expect uh, many people to see it. Honestly, I thought just a couple people might, on my profile might see it and that was it. So I decided to use my, my acting talent and do kind of a, a redneck voice, but I played myself and I spoke from my heart and I spoke the truth, but I kind of did like a, like a country Southern, actually it's a kind of voice the way I used to talk uh, before I lost my accent because I was raised in a small town. So anyhow, I just, I used the Southern accent and to my surprise, they went viral and my whole world, I got, crazy national attention and I got death threats and um, I got <laughs> cyber bullied and, just, oh, wow. and I got a lot of um, attention, good and bad, but anyhow. So yeah, my whole world kind of got flipped upside down back in April of 2015. <laughs> so I decided to use the platform that I have as a way to try to reach white America and to try to hopefully uh, reach them <laughs> if that's possible. Mm-hmm. And to try to shift our culture, if there's any way we can do that. And so I've been trying to do that ever since. And so I don't know. I just got through right before you called. I was just reading some fresh hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but anyhow, I'm here. I'm still going. Right. So your purpose, and you have a unique purpose, I think. Not many people are looking to help heal this country of racism from the point of view that you're taking. Um, Another person I know that does that is Tim Wise. Um, And your purpose is Mm -hmm. to educate white people racially to be racially um, responsible um, for what's happened, Mm -hmm. which is a whole different view. I think we we try to um, uh, fight it a different way, but you really want um, the white people to say, hey, I'm taking responsibility, this has happened, and um, how we can take action to move beyond that. I think that's a unique um, way to look at it, but it's also very, I think it's, it's, it's very important because Black people and brown people in this country really has been yelling racism forever, and no one is listening to to them and so to have a white person say to another white person um hey you know it's the truth and we should take responsibility i think is a a very a a very good way of um of of turning trying to help turn the tides around on this thing what do you think 
I don't know. I hope so. I think we have to do something. And so I'm just trying to do my part. And just like you said, uh, people of color have been saying the exact same thing for four or 500 years and nobody cared. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to, um, <laughs> if white people are not as threatened because of me, because I'm white, then I'm just going to speak the truth to them and hope that I can, you know, reach them and resonate with them in some way. And I know I've reached some people. I have no idea. Uh, but there's a lot more than me. There's a lot of white people that are joining in and that are, so there's some consciousness being raised. And then, as you know, we got the new president elect Donald Trump. So there's also a lot of, um, a lot of resistance too. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of ignorance still in our white culture and uh, a lot of white supremacy still, still strong in our white culture as an example of having a racist elected as a president elect. And now mm-hmm. we have him selecting uh, basically what is a, a clan for his cabinet and for his administration. So here we have this uh, president-elect who's endorsed by the KKK, and he's straightforward. Every single person that he has um, selected or, you know, uh, supposing to appoint to office is uh, a known white supremacist, you know. It's amazing. It's amazing where we're at yeah. right now. And I love that people are standing up. And I think it's really up to us to stick together. Um, people, it, it has nothing to do with racing and, and, and color and, and culture. Is is either you're a racist or you're not. And the people that are not racist, I think it's important to stand up and say, it's time to eradicate this. It's time to get rid of this problem. And we're not going to allow it to to continue. And that requires um, more than just the people that are being oppressed. It requires the oppressors Mm -hmm. and the people who, they might not want to look at it that way, but if you are not speaking out against it, you are, you know, taking part in the oppression. So um, you have to, I think it's important that we all join together to um, make this country great, not great again, make this country great. Um, And so meaning that everyone is, is treated fairly and equally. Um, So it's very important. I would like to talk about, um, you know, because you 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 admit that you are a former racist, and so what changed you from that? If you could give us a little bit of background as to where that was coming from, to how you became an anti-racist. Okay, um, yeah, I was raised in a small town in Tennessee, and I was taught the N word, and I never questioned uh, the N word. I, I were, really wasn't taught hate, it direct overt hate, but I was taught. The you know the racist propaganda uh, that especially in a small town in in, in Tennessee, we, you know we referred to black people as the N word. That's just the way it was, and I never questioned the morality of that. Um, I questioned it once when I was a teenager, but when I really began to see the light was when I went to college when I was eighteen, and I'd been abused as a kid. Uh, I had a lot of trauma endured as a child, um, and I realized when I was about nineteen after being persecuted again in college my freshman year by some elitist yuppies um, because of, thank God I got out of Tennessee, the small town I was in. I was kind of in a bubble and began to learn things in college, just basic things. And so it hit me one day, basically like a stone falling out of the sky, that everything that I had endured as a child through my abuse, and then again uh, it happened my freshman year, I was persecuted 
my freshman year in college with these yuppies almost to the point of having a nervous breakdown. And that's why I lost my southern accent was because of them. They shamed mm-hmm. me because of who I was to the point to where I completely changed who I was, lost my southern accent. But anyhow, in that moment, I realized after all I'd been through, every damn thing I'd been through was because of prejudice. Every mm-hmm. single thing. Um, there are people in my family who did not love or accept me because of prejudice. And then it happened again. So I began to understand and see a pattern in how bigotry works and how prejudice works and developed a passion and a hate for prejudice and for bigotry and for injustice. And so a couple of years later, I had a black roommate. Um, he was an amazing guy. We became best friends. And um, I just simply observed what he went through living in Savannah, Georgia in 1990 with just the Savannah Police Department, just literally watching him being arrested twice in one year as a college student for walking through na- white neighborhoods and going to a white um, apartment house where the landlord kicked him out and he wound up getting arrested and falsely uh, accused of, um, of battery and assault. And it was horrific. Uh, and I saw it on a weekly basis, him being harassed in Savannah just because he was a, a black guy living in Savannah, Georgia. And, uh, and then he took me under his wing and educated me about black history, about race, and then um, I became passionate about it because I hate injustice. I hate bullies. Um, I had enough for <laughs> the first 18 years of life of being right. bullied. Basically, I took an oath that I'm not going to tolerate it, and I'm going to fight against it until the day I die. And so, you know, people are joining me, and, and uh, I'm just trying to get white America to find a, a moral compass racially because white America has never had a moral compass racially. And it's about mm-hmm. time we find one. Right. I love when you said suffering makes us care, compassionate and empathetic, you know, because uh, and that's very important because being empathetic is 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 extremely important in helping us understand the other side. And I'm wondering how many other people out there, you made the connection, which was really great with what was happening to you, to what you were taught about others and immediately um away awoken out of you know the prejudices that you you had Mm -hmm. i'm wondering how many people are out there that's been bullied that's been discriminated against whether you're tall short fat skinny right um and uh, you know that haven't made the connection and why they haven't made the connection to being discriminated in some way in, in some form and them discriminating against others it's mm-hmm. you know i i've been i've been grappling with that question since i spoke with you why why they haven't made a connection yet do you um you know can you answer that do you have some kind of answer to that or you don't you know i'm not putting you on the spot or anything but yeah, it's just no, for no. us to learn you know about how we could get past this yeah, you yeah. know mm-hmm. that's a great question katie and, and i have no idea <laughs> I do know that you know that, I do know that there is a a force of white propaganda uh, that we're all indoctrinated with, especially as white people. We're all taught to be defensive. We're all taught to live in denial racially. We're all taught basically to be delusional. We're all taught uh, projection, uh, deflection, defensiveness, dismissiveness, um, all the things uh, that white people do racially. We're taught that, mm-hmm. and so a lot of white people have have a hard time letting go of that training um, and, and the white biases and the whitewashing of education and the media. And 
in, in everything in our culture, and then you have the systemic and the institutional part, but um, white people are, are lost racially, many of us, not all of us, but many of us, and we're, we're taught this, this defensiveness, this automatic, you know, um, fear of people of color, uh, to always be defensive, to so be a white apologist. You, you so know, what, what does it do? do for them? What does it, for, if you were to put yourself back in um, your teenage years and your younger years when you, um, your view at that point was the view of what you were taught, what did it do for you? How did it make you feel when you saw a black person or someone that's different from you? Yeah, well, I was so ignorant. I was so lost back then that I never really gave it a lot of thought. My, right. so, my, my first reaction was fear. Was, um, oh, fear. That's the okay. first reaction. Yeah, mm -hmm. fear. Um, because I didn't understand them. I didn't know anything about right. them, and I was apathetic. I didn't fear, and I was taught apathy. But right. um, so I don't know. Uh, you know, one thing about that white people don't understand, and one reason I do this is not to, to save people of color. I'm trying to save white people from ourselves. Literally, um, white people don't understand that this is a self-destructive path. When you buy into any supremacy, you're living a lie. You can never live a lie in peace, an impossibility. Mm -hmm. And so white people need to understand there's a personal, be free. there's a social, there's a cultural cost when you mm -hmm. live a lie and you're buying into any supremacy. And I've seen that cost in my own family. Um, right. You cannot live a lie in, in peace. You cannot live supremacy. Anytime you 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 buy into supremacy, you've also developed uh, an inferiority complex, crazy mm -hmm. insecurities that's that's going to go on into your family, into your personal life, and uh, you, what you wind up with is mass dysfunction and chaos and misery. Right. So, and then also, I find if we don't fix it, yeah, and also mm -hmm. if we don't fix it, we're on, I think we're on the verge of a revolution. It could get really ugly. People of right. color are tired. You know, it wants so. to be fixed. I it, it, I think that's what's happening. Um, it wants to be fixed. We keep putting a Band-Aid over a, a sore, and it just mm -hmm. keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and that Band-Aid is way too small now. And so it wants to be addressed. Us pushing it in the closet, we went from very overt racism where it was legal to, to, um, mm -hmm. to have slaves to... Um, you know, it was illegal, and then it was a hard, long fight about, you know, getting equality for others. And then it just didn't, it didn't, it wasn't really equality. It was an illusion of equality. What happened, it just went covert. So what Trump did is just brought all that stuff that's been hidden in your family closet out into the open, and it's to be really... Um, addressed. We got, I think we got passive and a little complacent when it wasn't out in the open like it was before. And, and I think I, I, it was um, one of the things I wanted to say, getting back to what you were feeling, you know, and talking to um, and observing others, um, other white people about um, this privilege they have in this country is, mm -hmm. you know, they get a sense of power from it as well, you know, because um, that's when, when you oppress people, um, it gives you this false sense of power. It gives you this false sense of mm -hmm. self-worth. It makes you feel important, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, um, and it's really 
not real. It's not real power. It's not real self-worth. You, you know, you can never get self-worth from others or through oppressing others. So I find that, you know, with others too, the fear, yes, I agree with you, number one, when they, you know, because they've been taught that. But also, I think a lot of people don't speak up to it because, um it gives them that position of feeling better than others and and they like that feeling you know so um i'm about to take a break and when i get back i want to talk about there's a challenge you have um that's on youtube and it's quite interesting and i want to talk about your challenge when we um come back i'll be right back in a moment Hello, this is Cadian Grant of Ask Cadian, and every fourth Thursday of each month, I will be facilitating a life transformation group coaching online class. This class will begin on January 28th. If personal one-on-one coaching isn't for you right now, and you would like assistance with change in your life, then I highly recommend getting started with this class. Each month, we will work on a particular theme. I will answer questions, coach, and be there for your personal development. For more information, please visit my website at www.kadiangrant.com and click on Group Coaching to begin your transformation. I am here to remind you of your greatness in every way. And welcome back to the Ask Cadian Show. Um, the number to call in, by the way, is 888-627-6008. That's in U.S. and Canada. It's 888-627-6008. And, out, and anywhere else around the world, it's 323-744-4831. Please call in and join in the conversation. Um, so we can raise consciousness um, racially and um, to help eradicate this huge problem that has never gone away in this country. It's, it's in our history. And we really want to put this behind us so the country can heal and become more inclusive than the exclusiveness that we've, we're, we've been seeing, and particularly this year um, due to um the election. So um, I have a guest tonight, um, Dixon D. White, who is a former racist, and his purpose is to educate white people racially, to take responsibility, and to help us move beyond this. And so Dixon himself um, made a video um, about his feeling on 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 race, and it was it's just so amazing. So if you can Google it. Um, I mean, if you could YouTube it um, and look up Dixon D. White or his Facebook page, Dixon D. Period White, um, you, he has a list of videos there. If you just go to the very bottom, the very first one, I mean, it's very touching and um, so sin- sincere and authentic. And you you will feel his passion and his pain about this. He is now an activist. Um, who is helping to fight this cause. Racism is not going to be tackled by one person. It just cannot. It's just too huge. It's too big. So every plug that we plug into it to help it go away 
um, will help. It doesn't matter if you just change one person's mind or if you change a million pers people's mind. It doesn't matter, you know, even just one person will help because you never know who that per how many people that person will help along the way but we all have to put a little you know put our little plugs in there to eradicate it it's going to take a lot and it's going to take all of us together it's not just going to take the people that are being oppressed it's also the people that are not oppressed who feel like we should give this up and they're not speaking out enough or they're just saying hey it's not happening to me you know, I wouldn't do those things. So because I wouldn't do those things, you know, that's enough. It's just not enough. We have to get together um, on this to if we really want to eradicate problems in this country. Um, I've seen a lot on Facebook. I even get a lot of messages from people. And to be honest with you, it's really um, white people that are saying, I am upset with my country. I am surprised at what I am ashamed of my country. And my you know, when I talk to people, I said, you know, black people are not not surprised. We're saddened by, you know, what has happened in the election and we're not surprised. And their reaction be how come? And that's because we have been screaming about racism forever and no one was listening. But um, so if you're surprised it's because you were not really paying attention or it wasn't part of your reality. So you just kind of just put it to the side. So when you saw when what happened in the election, you're upset or you're shocked and you're ashamed of your country is because honestly, you have not been paying enough attention, in my opinion, um, given, you know, all the the police brutality um, killings in the last year, just this year alone, and what's happening at Standing Rock with, with, with the Native Americans, there's just so, it's all around you. It's for you to just be honest about what's happening. And um, that's what Dixon would like to do. He actually has a six-step program, which I'm going to um, shrink it down to three, where he, that he thinks that he 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 came up with to help you know help white people move beyond this number one he said is to acknowledge racism we have to be honest about it we have to say yes it exists and i think it being in our faces now is really helping us to to be honest and to say hey we we are a racist country so first step is to acknowledge it second step is to take action um, Dixon says to take action against racism if you're seeing so if someone is being discriminated against to say something I know it's a difficult thing to do it takes us by surprise but you need to stand with that person so we can eradicate this problem. It cannot be, it is not my problem anymore, particularly based on what we have been seeing in the last week and a half, given the new president-elect. You have to stand up and say, hey, we, this is not us. This is not us. And the third action um, Dixon has is to educate other white people about racism. So if you are a white person and you really believe that you know, this should be eradicated. Talk to family and friends and and don't keep silent, you know, when you are hearing things. It's time to speak up. If you really want to be part of the solution, 
you have to speak up else you're just part of the problem. So then don't be surprised when something like what happened, the election occurs. All righty. So Dixon um, had a challenge, which I thought was really interesting. What he and I'll let Dixon explain it because I think he started to challenge himself when he spoke out and gave his version of how he was feeling, and then he challenged people. So Dixon, could you explain your the challenge that you have out there? Yeah, this started. Um, I wanted to find a way because I was getting a lot of attention, you know. And by the way, well said that, that what you just said was really, um, I thought well articulated and, and on point. Um, Everything you just said, thank you for that. Thank you. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, but yeah, I just I started this challenge because you know I was getting a lot of attention, and I thought you know, gosh, if we could start some kind of a movement just to start a conversation. We've we have never um, ended white supremacy. We've never dealt with that psychosis. You know, white supremacy is a form of psychosis. It's a, a social narcissism. And so we've never had therapy. Uh, not mm-hmm. nobody. We've, and there should be. There should be some sort of national therapy required for us to overcome this thing. And it should start, I think, in our educational system with our children. Every single child should have some training to overcome white supremacy uh, because it's part of who we are. It's part of our culture. It's uh, in everything. And so every every child should be taught anti-racism in these but anyhow, to combat this um, racist ideology that, that we have. But uh, there's never been any healing. There's never been any therapy. So I just thought, you know, if I could get people to at least start a conversation, to maybe we could have some healing, some therapy. And so um, I issued a challenge because I was getting a lot of attention, and it resonated. And there were a lot of people that, that just asked everybody to send in a video and let's talk openly from our heart about race. And, uh, and it was successful. A lot of people... Um, you know, we had a lot of uh, powerful videos and a lot of conversation happening, and I think there was some healing and uh, the movement for a while, and then it kind of fizzled out. You know, it was over a year and a half ago, so mm-hmm. you know, I don't really talk about that anymore. But I encourage everybody to always, you know, of course, discuss and educate each other about race, uh, especially white people. So. Yes, I think we should continue to do it, and and let me explain to you why. When I first heard the challenge, I went and you could go to YouTube and YouTube it, and you if you type in Dixon challenge or um, racial healing or racial ch- race Dixon racial channel challenge, it will, a bunch of them will come up, and listen to the you know the people speak from their heart. It's, 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 it's not just white people, black people are speaking from their hearts as well. And, um, you know, you know, white people are talking about their white privilege. There's one girl that was, that was, I was really impressed with was a black lady. She spoke on behalf of the underprivileged and her story was so, so, so touching. But um, when I listened to it, um, it is really a, a twofold thing. One, it's a healing process for white people. It's, it's, it's for you to get off your chest what you have been feeling and hiding. And um, for, for when I listen to the people talk and cry about, hey, I use the N-word, hey, I look down on certain type of people. And like you said, um, Dixon, that's what was taught in the home. And um, I wasn't offended by that. I was, by the way, um, I think people of color know people 
you know other people use that term in their home so it, it wasn't offensive to me when the when the people are saying hey i used to think that way i actually used that verbiage um um it actually really made me feel um sympathetic and empathetic towards them because they are hurting as well that you know that you used to be this person that's that's when you look back on yourself it's you know it's hard to say you know hey this is the type of person i was but what a healing process it is to admit to it and let it out and then let it go. It was just such relief, and I honor. I'm telling you, I um, I um appreciate those people that said that. Actually, some of them actually made me cry. I listened to like six hours of it straight. I was cleaning up one day, <laughs> and just listening to the people, um, it made me cry because they really were truly, um, sincere and apologetic in what they were saying and how courageous and brave they were. You know, if you didn't, you know because now they have to go out into the world and face, you know, their friends and their friends know that. But I like to say to people that are friends with these people and family, these people don't um, judge them, actually praise them because it takes a lot to be honest in that way. And that's, 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 you know, that's really honest. And then also it's a healing process. The other part of it is what I was saying. It helped the people that are being oppressed as well to hear that you are sincerely sorry. And I think that's something this country needs to do. We need, whether it's the president or someone in official, to come out and apologize for what they have done to the Native Americans, what they have done with slavery, like how they are you know, the Jews got their apology. You know, I think that we heal the country a lot and we're not doing that. We're not, we're not fessing up to it and we're not, and because we are not fessing up to it, we won't even apologize. But to, to hear this community of people that you have created, um, Dixon, apologize, did a lot for me. And um, so thank you for that. And I don't think we should give up on that. I think people to go, I think people should Google it, listen to, I mean, YouTube it, listen to the other people and be brave enough to give your side of mm -hmm. the story. You know, you know, so thank you for doing that, because there's a lot of videos, I think over 50 or 70 videos of people that are releasing this heavy energy that they carry around with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, my hope is that if we can work on our culture on changing our culture, that then we can work on changing the institutions. Um, you know, as you know, the racial disparities in every American institution from education, to, you know, the media, to healthcare, to, to our justice department, to employment, to financial, it operates um, injustice racially, operates in every single American institution. So we have a, mm -hmm. an institutional and a systemic problem that has to be addressed too. So apology won't be enough. We have to fix the problem. Uh, we have to maybe, maybe perhaps reparations of some sort is necessary um, you know, for, right. For but the apology is the start. Apology. You know, we're not even starting with the apology yeah. because we're not yeah, acknowledging exactly. it because right, you, you feel like you have nothing to apologize yeah. for, you know, and so right. your first exactly. step, you know, in your six steps, acknowledge it is is key is very important. The starting point. That's right. Yeah, it's a starting point to get us to the bigger, broader picture of, of fiction, fixing things systemically. But yes, it has to start with acknowledgement, acceptance and uh, an apology, of course. Mm -hmm. 
and then hopefully get into something more meaningful and actually fixing the problem. But um, I don't know. But yeah, it's it's a necessary conversation, and, and white people have to change our culture. We're 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 sick. We're psychotic racially. We're literally mm-hmm. sick. Uh, it's like a cancer, and uh, we have to fix it. And we never have addressed it. Our nation has never truly addressed white supremacy. It's no, here. It's thriving. What, what, it's living. It's moderated. Mm-hmm. Right, because what we did was the founding fathers, you know, they just said, hey, we're, you know, everybody's, you know, we're going to outlaw this thing. And they never brought the two sides together, right? All of a sudden, you can't have mm-hmm. slaves anymore. And nobody explained or nobody, like you said, there was no therapy. There was no, you know, conversation mm-hmm. at all about how do you address it, right? And it just like, hey, we, we're done with that. And everybody go mm-hmm. figure that out. And that's where we are. We, we still haven't figured it out. We, you still live with that fear yeah, exactly. of, of, mm-hmm. of, of another, of another mm-hmm. race and another culture. Yeah, exactly. And, and culturally and socially, White mm-hmm. supremacy is so so in, in, ingrained in who we are that we have elected now a straight-up, out-of-the-closet, openly white supremacist president-elect. And he has openly been allowed to basically set a, a clan up. Every single person he's appointed is, you know, starting with Bannon, all the mm-hmm. way up to Sessions, and all the other people he's appointed so far are notorious white supremacists uh, xenophobes or racist in some way, shape, or form. And this right. is being allowed right now. It's being tolerated in our nation because that is who we are as a nation. And here we are, you know, year 2016, and really nothing's changed. It's just, it's, it's just changed with the times, and nothing has really changed. We're still back where we were. We're still white supremacist nation, and it's tolerated, it's accepted, and it's working. And it's working mm-hmm. very, very well. It's working well for white people. <laughs> um, that's what's yeah. working well for. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, well, it's working well in that it's functional. It's not. It's also dysfunctional. It's it's killing us. It's destroying us. <laughs> right. But their yeah. their propaganda and the system of white supremacy is working, even though it's slowly killing us, everybody. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. still here. It's still functioning. Yeah. So. It's it's you know it's it's you know. I always, sometimes I wonder, I've been wondering for a very long time since I was a teenager, actually, why is the KKK allowed to still exist in this country and operate? And when I was younger, they had more parades. It's just that um, people are fighting these parades um, now. But when I was younger, I used to see it on TV. Um, They were going to certain towns and and, and allowed to... um, you know, have their, 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 their parade. Why is that allowed? You know, why is the Confederate flag, um, still something that's standing in some states, you know, do you think, um, the South, since you are from the South, you're born and raised there. Um, you think it's, has it gotten better at all or it's just gotten a little better? What's your barometer for it? Um, well, you know, if, it's so true about why the you know to the KKK point and why they've been allowed to uh, to operate this this known terrorist group. They're still operating. Mm-hmm. They're still here. And um, you know, it's like my African friend from Nigeria. He he always tells me that they say in Africa, in in his country Nigeria, and he said it in other countries too in Africa, that this is the white man's country. That America is they call it the white man's country, and that's very true. And if you look at our history. 
And, and there's your answer. That's why the KKK has never been dealt with, because mm. this is a white nationalist, white supremacist nation, sadly. Uh, but that's the reality of it. And so and that's what we're fighting. We're fighting against this crazy, uh, you know, psychosis of racism here called white supremacy. We have to deal with it. Um, but I'm sorry, what was your question again? <laughs> No, I'm glad track. you. I'm glad you said what you said. Um, yeah. It's that you answer. It was actually two questions, and you did answer it. We're not dealing with the KKK and other, you know, white um, supremacist group like now the alt right and all, you know, the skinheads and all these mm-hmm. things, because it's a white man's country, and that's a very important point. That is a very important point. Um, it's it's helping it stay in place. Um, they're allowed to do whatever. There's more people standing up, but still it's, you know, high offices have been infiltrated. And um, here we are with this election and with the appointments of what, what this president-elect is doing. Um, I think Session, that um, was easy. He was even um, he was he was not given a job because he was deemed too racist for the job at one time, but yet he's being appointed here. So all those points you're making is is, is very very true that we are um, seeing how much it is a white man's um, country and. You know, but like I said, is if we all stick together, the ones who don't want this, we can we can stick together and yeah. stop it and protest and sign petitions. And, you know, the hand has to be forced that we will not tolerate this at all. So my other question was about the South, because that's where a lot of, you know, wow. I will say majority of it started um, and it's yeah. have such a stronghold. I think still my question to you was. Um, being raised there, and I, I still think you live there. You just don't live in Tennessee anymore. Um, has it gotten yeah. any better? I, you know, my honest opinion is no. I, I, I really oh, wow, don't think it so has sad. gotten better. Um, <laughs> I, I really, I'm being completely honest honest to God. I, I've been looking, and, and I know some people um, that are really, you know, redneck people, and I know some very racist people, um, and... Uh, Honestly, they're not. It, it really hasn't. I mean, it's gotten a little bit more politically correct, but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's gotten better. Uh, the system's still there. Uh, the mentality of, of white supremacy is still there. Um, they still say the N-word. They don't say it as freely as they used to, but now they have code talk, so it's a little bit more covert. But it's still there. But, you know, the love of white supremacy is still functioning. Um, it's still operating, and um, it's... Um, it's a curse on our nation, and uh, it's still mm-hmm. here. You know. Well, that's sad to so know. That's, that's really, really sad to know that it yeah. still has such a mm-hmm. stronghold. And uh, and obviously, uh, you know, that question is actually um, kind of obvious. I just wanted to hear it from someone who grew up there and still lived there. I was, I yeah. guess, I was hoping that you would say it's a little better, <laughs> but um, you could tell no, by the, I really how. I really, I really given that question a lot of thought. I really don't think it's better at all. And since we've had a black president, it's um, it's raised its head. It's become, you know, more more acceptable uh, and more overt uh, and more mm. open. Uh, and Trump helped that, too. Trump helped that a lot. But I knew there's always a white lash, like Van Jones says. After, after America does something positive for black people or for people of color, there's always a white lash afterwards. That's why I predicted back in May that Trump would win the election, and I knew he would because we had a black president. And so if you have a black president in America, then you have to have a white supremacist president next. 
And that's the way this mm. country has always operated historically. It's always a white lash. We, we ended slavery. Then here comes the KKK and Jim Crow. So it's right. always been that way. Hmm. Wow. That's, yeah, you could tell by, you know, when you watch every election, you know, how certain states vote, you know, it's, it's just got, it's just a few states that make a difference in an election. But Mm -hmm. basically, you know, majority of the states just vote one way, whether it's blue or red, and you can see where the red is. And so when um, Obama did, I think he did turn North Carolina blue um, in 2008, I was thinking, oh, my God, that's a lot of hope because I think they've always been red mm-hmm. until then. But um, but but then they went back to red. So it's... <laughs> yeah, no, that's really sad. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really sad, but it, it just shows us that we have so much work to do. This is not an easy fight at all. It's it's you know, it's it's a it, this is a huge challenge here, you know, and um like I said earlier, you know, you doing your part, you may think it's a small part. I don't think it's a small part. I just think it's just one of those plugs we are plugging in to eradicate um, this disease in America. And we need everybody to 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 do that, to to, you know, you know, make a little stab at it, you know, to to move it forward, not to be so passive and complacent at all, because it's going to take a lot of us. It is going to take a lot of us because it is so indoctrinated in what, you know, in the culture of this um, in, of this country. So um, the number to call in, um, if you have, to, you know, if you want to comment, if you want to ask a question in the U.S. and Canada is 888-627-6008. Once again, the number is 888-627-6008. And anywhere else besides U.S. and Canada, please call in at 323 323- Seven four 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 eight three one. That's three two three seven four 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 eight three one. And I'm going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with Dixon D. White. Hello, this is Cadian Grant of Ask Cadian, and every fourth Thursday of each month, I will be facilitating a life transformation group coaching online class. This class will begin on January 28th. If personal one-on-one coaching isn't for you right now and you would like assistance with change in your life, then I highly recommend getting started with this class. Each month, we will work on a particular theme. I will answer questions, coach, and be there for your personal development. For more information, please visit my website, at www.kadiangrant.com and click on group coaching to begin your transformation. I am here to remind you of your greatness in every way. And welcome back to the Ask Kadian um, radio show. And this is Kadian Grant, your host. Tonight, I have a guest, and his name is Dixon D. White. And Dixon is an activist, actor, video blogger, filmmaker, who is 
a former racist and is now speaking out against racism. He's starting a movement in this country to real, basically anybody could be a part of his movement, but his main focus is to educate white people to take a racial responsibility um, to racism in this country. And um, so we can move past this history that has been such a stain on this wonderful country that has been made up of so many cultures and race. The country is great because of that, because of the diversity that we have here. But yet, you know, hidden in our closet is this stain on America. And it's been coming up more and more because this womb has not been healed. You know, it just keeps, it's just a sore that just keeps getting better. It's just festering, festering and getting, I'm not getting better, but getting worse. And it can no longer be pacified with a Band-Aid. It's just too big now to a point where we have an openly racist president-elect in the office right now, and we are seeing the the um, the um, the result of that every day um, from people who are now openly, who was very quiet before about it, but but now are openly doing things and saying things to people that um, they are that they have been really feeling, and like Dixon said, um, this you know they're feeling like. You know, Trump's messages make America great again, but a lot of them feel like it's make America white again. And they really need to be educated because that's that's not how America started in the first place. So we have been, I agree with you, Dixon, when you said we need to start in school with the young children to help them to understand certain things. And for us to, you know, yet yeah, change, why not change the history books? Why not, you know, get rid of certain holidays, this Christopher Columbus holiday? holiday that's really a lie. Some um, states have uh, changed it um, to, or some cities, it might not be the whole state, but some cities has changed it to Indigenous Day, but we are not speaking the truth here. We're not telling the truth. So this lie that's been passed down, passed down, the kids are learning and thinking that this is the way it is. This is, you know, I am better than you because of my skin color, you know, and and one point you pointed out is everything that if we look around us and, you know, is everything that is great is white. And I'm openly saying this, to be honest, it is the truth. I have, you know, I am not a prejudiced person, but the truth is the truth. Everything that we have been taught that's supposed to be good is is white. I come from an, the island of Jamaica, so I have a different view than most African-Americans in this country, my father actually taught me at a young age about that and not to pay attention to that. He was, he used to get mad if my mom bought me white dolls. I had mostly black dolls. He informed me at a young age that that is not you and that's not what you should strive to be. You are a black person and you are who you are. So because my father had a different view, I never strived to be a certain way I never, I was not envious of 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 of, of certain people um, because of their color. I didn't think they were better than me, uh, honestly, because my father kind of instilled that in me when I was younger, and um, so it is all part of this 
this this facade, this game that's been going on for a long time, you know, um, that, hey, everything that is good is, is, is white, everything that is bad is black. And so it's been instilled not just in, you know, some kids and all of the kids because black kids in themselves has um have their own problems and not liking their skin color and and their hair their natural hair and so on and so forth so this problem is so big (laughs) right dixon don't you say it's a really a huge problem that we're facing here yeah it really is and um yeah it really is and one more thing i'd just like to mention that um there's a lot of people that's been protesting right now. You see a lot of white folks, uh, especially on the West Coast and really all over the, the nation, a lot of white people have been protesting against Trump. Um, but in, in my opinion, the sad reality is a lot of white liberals um, are very passionate about economic uh, justice and economic equality and uh, women's rights and passionate against misogyny and against uh, homophobia, which are which is wonderful. And I, I'm glad that people care about you know, social issues and and all of these issues of injustice. I'm glad to see white people that are marching and standing up. Um, but a lot of those white liberals, you also find when it comes to sincerely caring about racial justice, sincerely caring about changing white supremacy, when you talk to them, not all, but some, and many of them, they're crickets. They're silent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they change the subject, or they, they suddenly become a white apologist. And so, so white liberals, if we could just get all those people that care so passionately about economic justice, about women's issues, and homophobia, which are all important things, could also simply care about racial justice, then maybe we could have a chance. But they, they're, they're still lost in the propaganda of being a white apologist, and they, and they wind up being defensive, or they wind up, you know, um, being delusional or, or denying something. Or so. Why do you think they're in denial or... Why do you think they're in denial or they don't want to face it? Um, I, I can just tell you that that's what we're taught as white people. That's part of our culture. Um, I, I had to overcome it in order to get, you know, to, to become an anti-racist and to care about, to see racial justice. So that's the hardest part is put in the denial, put in the delusion, put in the defensiveness, the fragility, put all that stuff behind you and begin to acknowledge and to see things. Um, so... I don't know why. I think, you know, part of it um, is fear, part of it is greed, mm-hmm. part of it is entitlement, right. power. Um, mm-hmm. power, arrogance, mm-hmm. conditioning, um, all of those things, uh, crazy guilt trips, uh, <laughs> just stupid things like that uh, that we're taught. But it mm-hmm. has to be unlearned. But if we could just get some of these white liberals to also care about the the racial justice part of it, we might have a chance to actually make a difference, uh, you know. So we we need solidarity in this fight mm-hmm. right. from white people, right? And I, and as far as the fear, exactly. I hope one of the fear is in that we that they think that um, people of color want to retaliate because, in my opinion, 
that's not true. Um, oh. We just, we want this thing just yeah. to be over. You know, we don't want retaliation. We don't want to do to you what you did to us. It's nothing like that. We just want it to be over. So if that is some of the fear among white people that they'll be subjected to what they had done to us, um, not to me personally, but to my ancestors, I should say, um, that is not a true argument because that's not what we want at all. We just want right. equality. You know, we just want to, the fairness, we want to, you know, start at the same spot on the start line as you. You know, we want what you want for your children, for your 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 home, for for your 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 environment and your community. We want those same things, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's not about getting even. If that's a fear of anybody, we are way past that. That's not what we want at all. If that's any in any way a part of of the fear. Yeah, exactly. It's that, and that's exactly the problem, in my opinion. It's just, you know, it's that white supremacist propaganda that's always been here since we um, freed the enslaved Africans. Uh, we, you know, America said, okay, we're gonna, you know, free the, the enslaved Africans, and uh, then white America <laughs> became fearful because right. they know, either consciously or subconsciously, that we did a dirty deed. And now they're scared this can be done to them. And that's part of everything that we're taught as a white person is that fear and that um, defensiveness to always, right. no matter what, you know, it's, yeah, it's a sickness. And you're so right. It's never been that way. No, you know, because if that was the case, um, you would have seen that already, yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly. it's not happening at all. Yeah. So anyway, we have come to the end of the show. Dixon, thank you so much for being on the show tonight um, and taking your part in helping us eradicate this problem um, that's such a stain on our um, history and in our country. I would advise anyone out there who would like to make a difference, who's on the fence about making a difference, to go to his Facebook page, Dixon D. White, or YouTube him and listen to those videos. Even look at the Dixon Challenge. Let's not let that thing die. Um, how, how about doing a video? Be courageous enough. You got to get courageous in your life and, and, and do it. And you feel such a healing for yourself um, in doing, in, 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 in speaking honestly about what you have done and um, to get past it and and um, to move forward. And it's not just for white people, even black people could take the challenge and talk about it. There's quite a few up there, which is enlightening as well. And I think that would help um, white people too, to become more compassionate and empathetic, empathetic, the ones that aren't. And when I say white people, I'm not talking every single white people. That's not true at all, um, because there are many that are not um, racist at all. So um, please check Dixon out and um, I would like to repeat his three um, um, bullet points he have here to help this fight is one, to acknowledge racism, two, take action against it, and three, educate other white people about racism. Dixon, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you. Honor is mine. Thank you, Katie, for having me. Thank you for all, all right, you do. Great show. Thank you. And good night, everybody. I won't be here in the next couple of weeks. I will be on vacation. So I will talk to you in four weeks. And, always, and remember, as usual, I am here to remind you of your greatness. Good night.